0: Hi Lauren, how are we? Hello Babs, how are you getting on this Wednesday? I am good, I'm good, I'm good. It's been a little bit quiet for the last week or so, but we're ramping back up into September. How are you doing? Good, yeah, we had a pretty quiet enough week, didn't we, last week? Um,
1: Yeah. About 80% of our staff were off, (laughs) so we had a bit of a break.
0: (laughs) Do you know what? I feel like, do you not feel like everyone has COVID at the minute? Like, everyone is ill. It's, It's awful. Yeah, it seems like it's just getting worse again I don't know yeah don't say that don't say that my fourth run at my wedding is happening in a few months (laughs) you'll get married don't worry you'll get married (laughs) um and you know what we have loads of um listeners and clients actually that are in the bridal retail sector in some way shape or form so my fingers are crossed for you guys as well not just me
1: (laughs) yeah it's like really tough times for weddings and people getting married and stuff like if you think about it people have been putting their weddings off for two years now like
0: it's mad isn't it yeah totally mad um so tell me what are we talking about today other than my personal life (laughs) today we are talking about something very
1: exciting for everybody listening um we are going to be talking about gdpr now everybody loves the excitement of gdpr don't they (laughs) i think they do and i think it's one of those topics that everybody's scared off as well so i want to just dive deep into basically like gdpr for dummies i'm not calling any any of you guys dummies or anything but (laughs) just i want you to be able to explain it
0: so it's in simple terms Sure, that's fine. I think we'll probably need a couple episodes on this, guys. Um, But what we'll do today is we'll do like a bit of, as Lauren said, like an overview, key things that people should know about. And then if there are any questions, we always take listener questions. So you can just fire them in. Lauren will give the details at the end of this episode. Um, But you can just fire those in and we can answer them in more detail when we go and do a deeper dive into GDPR in the next time we do a GDPR episode. So I just want you to explain for me um what is GDPR? So what does GDPR stand for? It stands for the General Data Protection Regulation. And if you want to be really geeky, two oh one six slash six seven nine. Wow. <laughs> wow. I am
1: taken aback. <laughs> Babs, what does that yeah. mean?
0: Um, That (laughs) that is the EU legislation number, essentially. Um, So when we're writing it in legal documents, that's how we write it. And now we write it a whole lot different now because of Brexit. But if you're EU based, if you're an Irish company or or elsewhere in the EU, it's going to be General Data Protection Regulation 2016 slash 679. Basically means it was the 679th piece of legislation that came out in 2016. Wow. You learn something new every single day in Jameson (laughs) Law. And wasn't that exciting.
1: (laughs) So let's just go right in there. So let's just talk about what GDPR GDPR is um, and what it's all about. What does it mean?
0: Sure. So it's the biggest overhaul that there's been to privacy legislation in the EU and for all intents and purposes, I'm just going to say EU, but I, I mean UK because the EU, the UK was part of the EU in 2018 when it first came in. Um, so basically, it completely overhauled all the data protection rules. Before that, in the UK, we had the Data Protection Act 1998. It wasn't really worth the salt, to be honest. Um, it really just it didn't really offer the protection that it needed to for personal data. You'd have things, a lot more things like um, marketing spam, cold callers, all of that kind of stuff that, um, whether you agree with the principles of GDPR or not, it has dampened down quite a lot compared to the way it used to be. Um, It also brought in much higher fines for companies that did breach data protection rules, um, which has made data protection compliance a lot scarier and more important
1: how much are those fines like if you don't comply with GDPR how much would you be fined for breaching those
0: so the regulator in each country so in the UK it's the ICO um, the information commissioner's office they can fine any business up to 20 million euro or 4% of their global annual turnover whichever is higher
1: Oh. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so, let's say explain to me explain to me what a a, a breach would be like. Like what would a breach be?
0: There's so many breaches, so many breaches. The ones that everybody cares about are a data leak. You know, like you've heard about it on the news like uh, Amazon's account details are hacked and everybody's email address and password is sent across the internet. And it means that everybody can get into their personal accounts and get all their details or, or card details, even worse for making payments online, that's hacked. And then that just is spread across the internet. Like those are the biggest breaches, but there's tons of breaches. There's like, I'm sure we'll go into this in more detail, but not registering when you're meant to, not having the right policies and procedures in place, not reporting a breach when you're meant to, that's the big one guys, um, not training your staff up, not having your your staff sign the right documentation. There's loads of breaches under GDPR. We hear about the scary ones that impact the big companies, but it's not limited to that.
1: And you said like a breach would be <clears throat> like a company getting hacked and then bank details and stuff being like out there for anybody to see. How is that the company's problem if they got hacked?
0: Because it means that they didn't have the right systems and processes in place to protect it now is every company going to be completely foolproof absolutely not and there's going to always be cleverer hackers out there than there are protective systems but where it would be a breach for instance is if the company that got hacked took no steps or didn't take the right steps to protect the data had that company brought in the fanciest best most expensive highest quality system had it audited every six months like you know had great processes and procedures in place for their staff that would be a different story would they be found to be in breach maybe but the fine probably wouldn't be that bad it's it's what step have you taken all the steps you possibly can to protect people's data
1: and how does that come into like small businesses like if they are that small they wouldn't really hold that much personal data do they still have to comply with these rules
0: absolutely now is a regulator ever going to fine you $20 million? Highly unlikely. But they they have the ability to do so, which means if what you do is bad enough, they could still fine you 100 grand, which for a small business might be absolutely crippling. Um, I know if we were hit by a fine like that, it would it would cause us a lot of problems. So I'm sure it would for most small businesses. Um, the, the thing that I guess people need to think about is, While the ICO is obviously more concerned about the big businesses and people that make the bigger impact in society, they are also concerned about smaller businesses. And they might start by picking off the big ones, but they'll come after the smaller ones sooner rather than later. And that's not said to panic anyone. It's just trying to give you an understanding of why this is really important.
1: Yeah, I know you are one for, well, you're not one for like, <clears throat> being into like technology and stuff like that but <laughs> small businesses um or big businesses everybody in general um what kind of processes and systems should
0: they have in place to protect their their
1: data that they're holding so
0: it will totally depend on what they're holding for instance if you're a one man band and you don't have like a shared drive with staff or anything like that and everything is just on your laptop and the extent of your personal data is names, email addresses, and telephone numbers. Well, then, if you have antivirus software, you have anti malware, if everything is password protected, like I'm not saying that's absolutely fine for your business because it might depend on the nature of your business, but that's going to be taking a lot of the steps that you need to take. Now, if you have six members of staff and you all operate from a shared drive and you're holding things like information on a person's gender their sexuality their race all of a sudden it becomes a lot higher risk and it means taking steps to make sure that only the people that need to see certain data can see the data and that it's properly protected so something like I mean we use office 365 obviously a very well-known provider we feel like we understand and appreciate that Microsoft have kind of got their their shit together Um, Google is is normally taken to be the same google drive um it's it's about making sure you make the right decisions and have the right policies and procedures in place depending on the nature of your business and who has access to your personal data
1: and what happens after a data breach like what if say tomorrow all of the data that we hold got leaked what would happen for us tomorrow
0: well If the data was leaked you would have to report that data breach to the regulator. So in the UK it's 72 hours to report a data protection or a personal data breach to the ICO. Um, Now that's 72 hours upon discovering it or when you should have discovered it. So like sticking your head in the sand won't help here but if something happened behind the scenes and you couldn't possibly have known until three days later it's 72 hours from then. Now businesses need to take this really really seriously if if they have a potential breach I would always urge you to report it rather than not report it Um, I worked for a company before Um, I was actually like working for them before I started Jameson Law and they had what could have been a personal data breach now it was more uh it was like a board pack right so it was more like company secrets rather than personal data but it did have some names in it um, like staff names etc and so the question was is this a personal data breach do we need to to report it we took the view that it, it, was, it was better to report it than not report it and the ICO came back and said this is fine we don't care like this is no problem you would rather be in that situation than then come back to you and say you should have reported that you're now in breach of GDPR here's your fine thank you very much
1: yeah, so if you're in doubt, report it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And that that breach could be something like leaving a board pack somewhere or sending an email to the wrong person that has personal data in it. Um, accidentally scanning someone's driver's license to someone that you shouldn't have. Things like that. If that happens, I mean, take legal advice, but I would always urge you to over-report rather than under-report.
1: And what kind of documents would businesses and companies have to have in place to protect them from a GDPR
0: stance, if there are any? Yeah, there's a few. So um, firstly, think about your website. So you need a privacy policy. You need to be telling people that come on your website what you do with their personal data, why you need it, who you share it with. Um, That's really, really important. Now, you should also have a cookies policy, which basically details... The kind of cookies that sit on a person's device and what their behavior is when they're on their devices using websites, etc. You can have these as one document or you can have them as separate. I like to do them as one, I think they sit nicely together, but some people do them separately.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's the first set of documentation to be aware of. Second set is employment documentation. You should not have GDPR or personal data wording in your employment contracts anymore. If you have an employment contract that's old and it says, The employee consents processing personal data. You're in breach of GDPR. (laughs) You're (laughs) not allowed. You're not allowed to have GDPR wording in contracts anymore. You can have it in terms of like business sending business data. Like, so business A is going to send personal data to business B. You can absolutely have that. But you cannot, if you're signing a contract with an individual, you cannot force them to also sign away their data protection rights at the same time it has to be in a separate document that they have to consent to separately so an employment contract should not have personal data wording in it you should have a separate document that your employees sign where they consent to letting you have their personal data and there's a lot of it it's salary their salary is personal data even though you set it their salary is personal data date of birth where they're from illnesses like learning difficulty all of that is personal data um, and it's really really important that you get them to sign what's known as an empl- employee privacy notice Such so are employee documents and um, another one for employees actually is a data protection policy um, and that kind of tells employees what they should be doing with personal data how they protect it and fundamentally if they see something that's gone wrong the fact that they should report it to you immediately mm-hmm. um, and they should be taking all steps to kind of help you manage manage that breach now, there are some other documents that businesses would need if they're, as I said before, if it's one business working with another business and there's a lot of personal data passing, they might need to sign a data sharing agreement or a data processing agreement if they're sending data outside the EU or the UK. They might need to sign what's called standard contractual clauses. This is all very like techie and legalistic and I'm not going to bore everyone with it. (laughs) But if there's a lot of personal data going from one business to another, there are other documents that you should get legal advice on.
1: Okay. And why can't you have that wording in the same document anymore? Why does it have to be a separate one?
0: Because GDPR basically brought in this principle that an individual man on the street Should not, or women in our (laughs) case, should not be like forced to sign away their personal data rights because they want to sign a contract. So that's why I sometimes get website terms across from people and they've asked me to review them and update them and they'll stick in there. I consent to having my data processed or I consent to marketing communications. That has to come straight out because that user has to be able to use the website even if they don't consent to their personal data being processed. Now, realistically, there might be things they can't do. They might not be able to set, out, set up like a, a profile on the website or they might not be able to make a payment, but they should still be able to broadly use the website even if they've not consented to it. So that's the whole principle. So there should be no wording, when you, not business to business, but business to individual. There should be no wording in any kind of contract that requires an individual to agree to, marketing processing personal data anything like that
1: and say for like businesses that don't use like technology say for like old school businesses that use like hairdressers whenever you go into the hairdressers yeah. they write your name down they write
0: your number down what what are the gdpr like rules around businesses like that businesses like your brick and mortar businesses that like write things down if it's just a bit of paper that should be immediately shredded once it's no longer needed Okay. Um, you've got a bigger problem if you've got things like appointment books and stuff like that um, they should never be left out they should never be able to be accessed by anyone who doesn't need to know the information a hairdresser it should probably be the receptionist and the hairdressers and no one else should be able to access that that might mean putting the book in a cupboard with a locked key um, that might be a bit OTT but it certainly doesn't mean putting it on a table next to a door yeah yeah that's
1: that's really interesting because i never actually um thought that that would be classed as like gdpr but i suppose it is because there's still people's names and numbers and
0: yeah hair loads color people... <laughs> yeah their <laughs> hair color um loads of people think that gdpr only applies to things on your computer but it, yeah it doesn't it doesn't at all And when businesses have to register with the ICO, is it the same in Ireland? Yes, but with the Data Protection Commission in Ireland, there are different kind of thresholds as to when you have to register. So there are only certain businesses in Ireland that need to register, one being like local authorities, there's a couple others. So actually, whereas like 99.9% of businesses in the UK need to register. I'd say it's way lower for Ireland like it's probably like 10% I just made that up but it's really yeah. quite low and yeah. um, <clears throat> if you're an Irish-based business or you do business in Ireland um ask us about it or have a look on the data protection commissioner's website in Ireland Um and you'll be able to get some guidance but it is a little bit different.
1: Are there any rules and regulations around how long that you can keep personal data like can I keep
0: somebody's name and email address for 15 years? So you have to do what's reasonable in the circumstances, which is an extremely helpful um, <laughs> like guidance to all of us. Um, there's no hard and fast rule, but you have to have a rule. So most businesses say seven years. Um, the reason they say seven years is because that's how long you need to keep tax records. Um, if in the UK, if the HMRC or in Ireland, if the revenue were to come back and ask what did that person buy five years ago? You need to be able to say, oh, they bought that and this is their name. So most businesses will need to keep data for at least seven years. You just need to have a process. Um, What you won't need to keep for seven years is things like, oh, I spoke to that lead two and a half years ago and she has a dog and two children and so might be interested in buying children's clothes in future. You probably shouldn't be keeping that for five years because... Why do you need it? Why do you need that, yeah. Yeah, you should be. You should have a process to regularly review what personal data you hold and get rid of what you don't need.
1: So basically don't be keeping the data that you don't really need for a long yeah. period of time.
0: Absolutely. And the thing is as well, to so bear in mind, is we all, and we all forget about this one, we all have an obligation to keep personal data up to date. So if you have somebody's name and mobile number saved on your computer somewhere and they've changed their mobile number, you're technically in breach of GDPR what yeah which is madness right yeah that's madness that's why a lot of privacy policies will say you are required to let us know if you update your number or something like that because it puts the onus on them but yeah okay so there's a lot of things that
1: aren't quite clear but that you're supposed that you need to know so
0: yeah it's just i would say with for small businesses in particular with these things just do your best and if you're challenged on it Show that you've done your best. Yeah. Now I was on Facebook
1: earlier, and it just happens that this popped up on my Facebook page, um. Before we record, started to record this podcast, so there was this small small business that had a cancellation of six people, mm-hmm. and they were a bit annoyed that the people cancelled on them because it, it was like they, they were losing out on money. Basically, they didn't. Um, basically, they didn't turn up for their appointment. It was six people who okay. didn't turn up for their appointment. And the company basically just put up a Facebook post and said, from now on, we're going to name and shame whoever doesn't turn up for their appointment. Are you allowed to name and shame your customers that don't potentially turn up for their
0: appointments? That's a really difficult one because I would say yes. I I would say yes, it's a breach. Not that you're not. Yes, that you should do it. Okay. I I would say sorry I answered the wrong question there. Um, I would say yes it's yes it's a breach. Um, and no you shouldn't do it. Um for a few reasons. Obviously business reputation wise I would just never suggest you do that anyway, but if you think from a GDPR perspective, I take quite a hard line with GDPR. Now that doesn't mean that I think that everybody should have the bo- most expensive systems and all the policies and procedures in the world, but I think if you're not clear about whether something is personal data, treat it like it's personal data because you're just not going to get into trouble as much. Like this business, I don't know who they are, but reputationally, I'm never going to go to them now. Um, so it's just going to screw screw their whole business reputation. But taking that aside, they've taken people's names and they've put them online. That They can't do that unless they've got consent for that, or unless they had another lawful basis, which would be like, a legitimate business interest which is probably what they're trying to hang their hat on and is nonsense by the way in that situation um or if it's like they need it to perform a contract or something like that but none of that would apply here as far as i'm concerned
1: yeah because most of the comments underneath were actually like you cannot do this this is breaking gdpr rules and regulations Um yeah. you cannot name and shame your customers loads of people were commenting as well saying you're going to lose customers over this
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really stupid business decision anyway. But GDPR-wise, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'd say it's one that's on a thin line. And when something's on a thin line, especially from a GDPR perspective, err on the side of caution. Yeah, yeah. It's just not
1: worth it. No, it's just not worth it. For all those fines that you probably end up getting, what's the point?
0: Just keep your and also if you okay think of them fine right but reputationally if you're if you hear that a business has been fined by the information commissioner's office do you trust them in future
1: i definitely wouldn't anyway no there's no. no way i
0: would there's no way absolutely not um yeah are there any other questions that you have or that people have asked about gdpr i don't think so i think that's everything that i've had for today Basically, guys, we'll need to do more on GDPR. We'll need to answer some more questions. It's a really detailed subject matter. Um, and it's it's probably not something you can cover in one podcast and every business will be different. So we'll do a more detailed one for sure in future. So so let us know if you have any questions or if there's anything that you're not sure about. And also remember that at Jameson Law, we offer free legal advice calls. So if you want to become on one of them and ask your particular GDPR questions um, in a GDPR-protected way and not on a podcast, um, <laughs> then just drop us, a, drop us a message as well. Yeah, you can email us at legalleveragelaw at gmail.com. Amazing. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Lauren. No problem. I hope you have a lovely evening. You too. Have a good one. If you'd like to hear more about the legal leverage framework and access some free resources including free guides and trainings pop over to our website which is jamesonlaw.legal and click on free resources we hope you've enjoyed today's podcast tune in to our next episode to learn more about how to grow and scale your business the right way
1: I'm <laughs> gonna